Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople. It's my great pleasure to welcome Lauren McGuire to the podcast. Welcome, Lauren. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. Lauren is, despite the American accent, uh, Lauren is the VP of EMEA sales at TripActions, and TripActions is a business travel management platform. They're actually the platform we use, so we're a customer of theirs at SalesLoft to book our hotels and transportation and I'm sure make our our finance and HR people very happy in the process. Yes. Uh, so uh, we're not going to talk about trip actions today. Our topic is going to be all about sales career pathing. Before we do that, I love to get to know people. So, Lauren, I got a couple questions for you, actually. The first one is, what's your favorite sales book of all time? And maybe one of the key takeaways you got out of that. Yeah, so I think it's a bit of a classic, um, and I think it really helped define my career early on. It's Predictable Revenue by Aaron Ross, and really sets up the sales development and pipeline generation foundation. If you go back into my my career, I started my early days as an SDR at Salesforce. And if you read that book, um, it's very much around how to do pipeline generation at the beginning of your career. What's your take on how current and applicable the predictable revenue principles are? From a foundation standpoint, it sets all of the core strategies and processes, which I think we need. I think, you know, it's up to us to iterate and and make the personalization because I think that's probably the piece that's missing the most um, when we're doing outreach early on is how do you make it personal? But yeah, I would agree that there is some some adaptation and iterations that are required. Got it. Yeah, I, I agree. And in fact, there's quite a wave of people focusing on personalization and providing advice on personalization. One of my favorites that I've, I've mentioned a few times is the work that Beck Holland has been doing mm-hmm. around, I think, her six or seven sort of stages of personalization. And, and she has been on the podcast, so folks can go check out the Beck Holland podcast. Let's transition over to kind of our topic of the day, which is around sales career pathing. And I'd, I'd love to hear you know, why this is top of mind for you. I can guess in a way because you've worked your way from an SDR back at Salesforce into a VP role at a major company. Like you mentioned, I'm a product of sales career pathing. And so I think when you experience it yourself, um, you start to see all of the value, not necessarily right right away. I think, you know, when you start as an SDR, um, you want to know why you're not an enterprise AE in six months. Um, but if you have the time to actually climb that career ladder and that sales career pathing and take a look back, I think, you know, the skills that are learned throughout that process are just so amazing. And the fact that you can layer them so nicely, that's, I think, the biggest thing for me is, you know, When you think about career pathing, you're able to, okay, let me just focus on, you know, qualifying. And then after a year, let me just focus on outbound prospecting along with qualifying. And now you've started to layer that second skill set. And really, you're able to kind of grow it from there. Ideally, you're, you're moving into your first account executive role. And now you're requalifying the opportunities your SDR has passed. You're still prospecting because you still have to do your own pipeline generation. And now you're starting to layer on the skill of actually closing your first deal and and closing business. Being able to grow and layer all that together in a reasonable time frame really helps us kind of retain the skill set and also just make sure, you know, we're growing professionally. Even before you 
joined Salesforce, you know, I presume you have some memory of the first thing you ever sold when you were perhaps a little kid. Do you remember what that was? <laughs> I remember finding all of the items in my room or house that I no longer needed, you know, rubber bands, paper clips, old books, uh, put them in my red wagon and I would go door to door trying to sell these things to my neighbors. I love the red wagon. Note, and that is a new, <laughs> that's a new one. How did you get started out in, in sales after graduating uh, with what looks like an animal science and agribusiness major? So I was fortunate enough um, to have a part-time job in college and they, at the end, offered, you know, do you want a full-time job? I'm like, yes. They're like, we have two, two roles open. We've got PR and a account sales role. I'm like, Definitely PR. I've heard, you know, how exciting it is. And they're like, great. Can you do a writing sample? So I did a writing sample. I spent all weekend doing a writing sample for my current employer. And I wrote it like an essay. And I don't know if you've ever read a PR announcement, but it is not written like an essay. So I turned it into the CEO and he said, interesting, and you should do sales. <laughs> and so my sales career began um, as quickly as my PR career ended. And I was actually selling over prescription sunglasses, sunglasses that you wear over your glasses. And we were selling to Cabela's and Bass Pro, uh, mostly um, fishermen and fisherwomen were buying those so that they could be able to see while they still had their glasses on. What led you to move to another sales role? Unfortunately, my boyfriend at the time had moved to the Bay Area and, you know, heaven forbid, don't tell mom, but I followed a boy to the Bay Area and started applying for companies and other sales roles. Two things happened. One, I landed in my first SDR role at salesforce.com. And um, secondly, I ended up marrying that boy. So it all uh, worked out. Right. <laughs> Very nice. Tell me about the training. What was the training like? What was your manager like? How, how, how was that first year for you? They had a very robust first week of onboarding. So you learned everything you possibly could about technology, about platforms, APIs, you know, all of the different products that Salesforce was offering over the first few days. And then the next couple of days, you actually learned, you know, the personas um, and how to do outreach and really actually kind of how to do your job. Then from there, it was peers and it was mentors and it was managers. And I think that's something that Salesforce did a really, really nice job was actually pairing you up with a mentor who was really responsible for your success in the first month or two. I think that helps a lot to have somebody in role to be able to actually pair you up and make sure that you're doing all the right things. Obviously, they're going to pair you up with somebody who is a top performer. Um, and so you can really, really learn a ton. And then from a manager standpoint, I think Salesforce does a really nice job. They're looking at two things. One, they're looking at, you know, how do they make you perform and do well, um, but really how do you get to the next level? Performance is one piece of that, but then what are the other skill sets um, that you need in order to potentially grow? I want to circle back on the mentorship thing because I've experienced or heard of so many programs where people get matched with mentors and then it just sort of fizzles out. Do you recall what your mentor did for you? The big things that they did was live call coaching because we sat in such close pods and they could hear your objection handling and your pitch. 
I remember that being the biggest thing where I could actually make an immediate improvement because you're picking up the call or you're picking up your phone in the next couple of minutes and you can actually implement whatever feedback you just received. And was that mentor a fellow, maybe senior SDR or was it an account executive? It was a, another SDR, a more senior SDR. If you were to give current SDRs one or two critical pieces of advice on how to get from SDR to AE, what would be the advice you'd give them? Embrace the feedback. It's the only way we can grow. I mean, still how I personally grow is, you know, by feedback and be able to implement it and see the improvement and see the success after that. I think the other thing is in sales in particular, it is about performance. So um, if you're not getting feedback and you're not performing, you know, where can you seek feedback and actually be able to get better? Because everything's about growing and knowing when you're getting that constructive feedback, knowing it's coming from the best intentions in the best place. I think it's always hard sometimes to receive that constructive criticism. And oh, I thought I did things really, really well, or I thought that one I really nailed. And so I think, you know, just knowing that the intention is coming from the right place is huge. Some SDRs are just maniacal about focus and activity. Some SDRs are maniacal about effectiveness. Any secrets to share on, on how you managed your own career as an SDR? Yeah. So I think, you know, in the early days, it was all activity and it was all, you know, a volume play. And then when I transitioned to an outbound rep, I think we were one of the first people to go through the infamous John Barrows, why you, why now training. And I embraced that immediately. I, I loved everything about it. And it became the ultimate template for me um, to be able to do kind of high speed personalization. And so then it started to adapt into more of that personalization. And then it kind of became a, a unit of its own. So okay, how do you balance the activity with the personalization? A lot of that obviously was email based. And you know, you can do personalization at scale um, in email, but it does become a little bit harder, right? And so now where you can do things at scale is around the calls. And you can, you know, as long as you're kind of calling with a consistent theme or consistent message, you can actually create the volume around the calls and then you know, incorporate to the personalization there as well. And then in the, your emails can be super, super targeted because you've done the research um, as you've been doing the calls and, and the emails as well. Well, I'm curious about that next transition when you did move to account executive. In the earliest days of that, what was the thing that you struggled most with? So I think, you know, early days is is finding the balance between the two plays. So doing your own pipeline generation and closing deals, being a first-time account executive. Prior to that, you were only running one play. You were just prospecting and qualifying. And now you're responsible for prospecting and qualifying and closing the deals. And I think that transition was was probably the hardest um, or the biggest leap um, amongst the roles. I'm curious what your own manager's involvement was when you first became an AE. He was generally available if you needed him, but then he was also did a nice job of analyzing his team's pipeline and recognizing which deals he would invite himself to get into. So of course the bigger deals or any logos are more strategic. So he had done a, a nice kind of pipe analysis. If you weren't inviting him already, that he would jump in and it was always welcome to have him kind of be on the call. So he would kind of run it two ways. 
one where he would observe and provide feedback or two, he would be an active participant and you could observe and obviously learn from him, which I found super valuable. So there you are at Salesforce. You've been there four years working your way up, you know, quite successfully. The economic downturn is actually was in force all throughout that time. And I think when you left Salesforce to join Box, it was we weren't quite through it yet. So I, I do remember back in that time, people were just holding on to their jobs for dear life. In the midst of that, you did move elsewhere. So how did that opportunity to move over to Box come about? It hit right when I was an enterprise business rep and I was top performing and expecting my promotion any day now. I actually even did the interview and I remember my manager pulled me aside, like, you passed, you did your interview, everything's great, but we're in a recession and we're not making any promotions at this time. And I remember just being absolutely devastated. So I ended up doing an extra three months in the outbound role. And I think that's something that's really hard, but understood obviously the economic impact to the business. And I waited it out in that particular role. As far as the transition to Box, you know, it was more around um, what I wanted for my personal career. And I really wanted to be an SDR manager. And there was a requirement to do a few more years in account executive. So I ended up making the move to Box. I think quite a few people from Salesforce had already headed over there. I made a lateral move actually to account executive and was lucky enough after six months as an AE at Box um, to build out their, their SDR org. I'm curious about sort of that path, which is, and I think it's a struggle for a lot of SDR managers and directors is like, if you're an SDR manager, like where to next? Because uh, at least you had closing experience. A lot of SDR managers don't have closing experience. Once you got settled in as a manager and director of sales development, what were the options available to you career path-wise? It is interesting. I think it does make it really hard if you don't have previous closing experience to kind of work your way up in management and then potentially try to, to, to make that jump into account executive management. It can be hard. Um, I've seen it done before, but I think, you know, having that previous background always helps. I, I do think it, you know, it is challenging because it's so easy and and kind of motivating to get all of those title promotions. I think it does make it hard if you've been in a large organization to bring on a second org or to bring on additional responsibilities. And um, I think I was fortunate at that time to to start some of the conversations with Trip Actions because they were just building out their commercial account executive team. And so that's where I think, you know, sometimes you have to, to kind of analyze, you know, what you want next in your career and, and potentially make a different move. And so that's actually why I ended up at Trip Actions because I, I did want to get into AE management after, you know, six years in, in SDR management. Yeah, what was that transition like in terms of like learning and skills development for you and, and challenges as when you move from managing SDRs to managing both SDRs and closers? It was an interesting one because you've been managing SDRs for so long. And while you do have the skills to do the closing business, um, you know, you're a little rusty. It's been, it's been a few years. So I think the best thing is to actually jump into the role as an IC or, you know, just as a player coach, just so you can start doing it again, especially in, in my situation where I was at a new company selling a new product. So Sure, I you know had done the SDR role, I'd done the AE role, but I hadn't done it at Trip Actions. And so it's so important to actually jump in the role and do it yourself. 
I think that's the biggest thing is kind of jumping in yourself. One thing I've noticed is that first line manager role, whether it's for SDRs or for AEs, requires so much knowledge of how the business is run, what the value proposition is, how to speak to customers, right? I mean, how, how can you coach first line sellers if you know you have not had some attempts yourself at doing that? So that was interesting that Trip Actions gave you space to really get deep on deals before managing the team. Early days, you do have to look externally. Once we got big enough to be able to pull one of the AEs up into AE management, yes, echoing your statements, it's it's so much smoother when you're able to already know how to sell the product. And I think it just depends on timing, right? Yeah, I guess for all those people who, who do get hired from the outside, right? Or if you are hiring people from the outside, because it's, it's common, you don't have the luxury always of promoting yeah. them within. What, what advice do you give people to... Really know the product in depth and the the company in depth and the value proposition in depth. Like what are some of the fast track secrets? For us is, you know, reviewing top performers calls. And so kind of learning the key messaging and the key questions to ask throughout the sales process, doing it yourself. I mean, I think it's so hard to, to come in and like you said, even coach or even just do activity metrics um, without knowing what the value of those activity metrics are unless you've done it yourself. So don't be afraid to, to jump into a deal. I remember my first week jumping into the SDR queue. And I mean, at that point, I'd been an SDR director for three years. Um, and so, you know, I hadn't been taking calls personally in a, in a little while. And so it was so, I, it actually was fun and to talk to somebody, to learn about their business, just be curious. Um, it actually like, was like, wow, like, you know, you're away from these deals or away from the, doing the job for so long um, because you're so focused on setting up the org and um, the infrastructure and all the enablement. And sometimes it's just important to step back and in, into the deals directly. Well, Lauren, it was it was such a blast chatting with you. Me too. If people want to connect with you or learn more about Trip Actions, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, just um, email. I'm the original Lauren, so Lauren at TripActions.com. Once again, I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Laura Hall is our executive producer. Our artwork is by Greg Klingshern. This episode was edited by Peter Lopinto. Subscribe to us on your favorite app to learn more immediately actionable best practices from our awesome guests. Thanks for listening to the Hey Salespeople podcast.